We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to another Welcome to the J episode. I am your host, Dehans Maniga, aka Canadian Rebel, aka 12. Make sure to like and subscribe to the Field of 68 Media Network for content such as this, different guys representing their different alma maters, like I'm doing today. Very special guest, once again, needs no introduction. He is my guy. He is our beloved Michael Vandervoort, aka Manager Mike. Mike, how are you doing today, brother? Good, Jens. Every time I hear you go through your nickname, Rolodex, I just, I don't know how a guy can't, you know, smile a little bit. It's the, the joy you bring Creighton fans um, with your energy is, it's hard to match, brother. What I realized is it's not so much of a Rolodex as it is basically two names. <laughs> It's my, it's my government, it's Canadian Rebel, and it's 12. Like, I don't know if anyone else in Omaha knows me as anything different, but that is what it is for sure. Like, I don't know. I've, I've been kind of blessed that obviously through my playing career, I haven't met so many uh, great people in Omaha, in Nebraska, uh, that I'm still able to do something like a podcast talking about Jade's basketball and people are interested. I'm really happy about that. Like that, that's a whole lot of fun. And then obviously I get to catch up with some of my best friends that I've made over the years, you being one of them. And that always makes me happy. Like I literally just said while we were off air, like every time I see, I just get so happy because it's few and far between, but it's like when we talk, it's like we never left, you know, like it's yeah. like we're sophomores all over. <laughs> yeah. Put us back in Swanson, see what's going on. Man, Swanson days were the 
okay, let's get into what we need to get to before we get sidetracked. The Jays obviously lose a tough double overtime game against another top 25 opponent in Providence. They were ranked 24th. We are ranked 18. First of all, how good does it feel to see the Jays back in the top 25 after such a long hiatus before we have to go through this year? Yeah, I mean, there was never a moment of panic for me. Even like, I don't know. Every game, there's never really a moment of panic. But over the course of the season, I, I, even with the six-game losing streak, I, I still had a lot of uh, a lot of confidence in these guys, the coaching staff. You know, I think ideally we'll look back at the end of the season as that being a pretty big building block, not only for this program but even moving forward, uh, or this team, but but for the program moving forward. So, uh, winning eight in a row anywhere is hard, non-con conference so you know kudos to the staff kudos to the guys at home on the road uh getting up for some tough games and then you go to providence and in a team that's 35 and one at home in their last 36 like that's a ridiculous statistic mm -hmm. and it, it's on a tuesday night it's a hard place to go and play i did i talked to a few fans that went at the first half seemed a bit sleepy but uh, it was hard to tell on tv like how good the atmosphere was i thought uh but the second half and overtimes Sounds like uh, maybe the beer finally kicked in for their student section. Who knows? So when I watch the games, like on the broadcast, I try not to have the volume up. Like I got that tip from Shannon Sharp. Shout out to Shannon Sharp who does his undisputed and all that stuff. Anytime you watch it, it's football or basketball, he tries not to be influenced by like the commentators, which is very easy to have happen. When you got a guy like Bill Raftery calling games, like you just, <laughs> you just kind of lean into his opinion a little bit, right? And yeah. because I have to give my own opinion about how the Jays played or whatever, like I just find it a little easier uh, to not have the sound on. Uh, I started doing that like a, a little bit late into last year, and then I'm doing it a lot more this year now. So I, I don't quite know about what the atmosphere felt like, but looking on TV, it looked live. Like it looked like the fans were a factor from the get go. Uh, so again, like I, I was there, our guy Mobulwaga Ogini was there, shout out to Mogbu. Uh, he told me that the game was insane from like his perspective. We also had Jordan Scary out there too, our, our East Coast Korean representatives. So, but for me, like, as I was watching the game, I was just like, man, like this is tough. And I also know like what Providence is like playing there. So I was just like, this is no easy feat for anybody to walk into that building. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that that explains you know the last thirty six, and that explains historically. I think they're like seventy five percent at home. So mm -hmm. uh, there, uh, I, I think the one thing goes for you know because we think about what's happened lately. Like Providence is a historically really good basketball program, and obviously what Ed Cooley is doing now is is really impressive. You lose all five starters, and you have a chance to win you know Big East title again. Like kudos to them man I, I i don't like them i like ed but i don't i don't like providence as a whole so uh maybe we'll see them again in in uh biggie's tournament at msg that's funny because uh mac was asked about that in his post game you know if if they're willing to do another type of game like that at madison square garden and mac even kind of like laugh kind of scoffs it off a little bit like man these guys are they're a tough out like for sure and I think that's just kind of the respect that Mac has not only for Cooley but for the program too we all know like Providence fans like they're more into booing you than cheering their own team which is why it's always kind of a tough place to play there and I feel like maybe that's why you and I have that same sentiment like man forget Providence like you know what I mean but 
you got to give it up to him. That's a really good, talented team. Obviously, they were able to come out on top 94th to 86 against the Jays. I thought, for the most part, that we played a pretty good game on the road. Like, you want to be in there in the thick of things. Um, you never want to let the game kind of get away from you. And I didn't think there was a lead that was bigger than six yeah. throughout the entirety of the game, right, if I'm not mistaken. Obviously, they were able to pull away near the end there. Man, it, it's such a game of inches. You got Kaluma, who has the ability to tip the ball in. I want to get into that last, like, few plays, the last few plays in regulation, obviously. So Matt calls a timeout. He gets it on his own side. He draws up a play. What does Cooley do? You talk about it being a chess match between two of the great coaches in the Big yeah. East Conference, two of the great coaches nationwide. Cooley comes out and traps them immediately, with totally, which totally catches Crane off guard. Uh, Trey has to pass the ball out. It ends up in uh, Shireman's hands. At the last second, he kind of sees Kaluma cutting to the basket. He lobs it off to the rim, which I thought was like an incredible pass for the double team coming at him, right? Him having the ball for a split second, having to make that recognition. Kaluma's just unable to finish there. And he's literally this close to being a two-point game at the buzzer and a Jays win. Yeah. Talk to me about like as that play was developing, as you see the double team coming, Mike, what was going through your head? <laughs> well, I, I think the first thought is what every fan thinks like you got to take the time out in that situation as a coach right like 10 seconds left draw something up I'm I'm against that I am of the opinion don't let the defense get set don't let them even think about you know blitzing that first uh inbounds you know to Trey so it, we saw it in in the first overtime where Mac didn't use the timeout and let his guys go Devin Carter makes a really good defensive play there I but give me r2 and a ball screen with that guy all game long, uh, right? And, and we'll, we'll trust him to make a play. But yeah, I mean, again, to your point, you, you hang around, you stick around. You know, you're down six, or yeah, I think we were down six late, and then uh, R two made some pretty unbelievable plays. They kept going under ball screens. Glad to see him make a few shots versus those guys, as Rafferty pointed out on the broadcast. I think he was one for thirteen coming in versus Providence. Um, Trey gets it to Baylor. Baylor somehow has the, you know, the thought process to throw it up at the rim. Like the wherewithal no, to do yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> there's no way any of us are making that decision. Um, mm -hmm. We're like trying to throw up a terrible shot. And then Art, you know, tries to go up and it just, the, the timing of it was, was a little bit off. So uh, it's a tough, I mean, it's a, it's a coin flip. Um, really good adjustment by Cooley. Like, to your point, it's X's and O's and, and chess and checkers. And we had two of the best going at it with that stuff late game. Um, sometimes you just, you don't get the role that you need and, and being on the road, those are the things that have to go your way. What I love the most about like, after all of that happened, obviously they kind of go to their signs, they regroup, they go back out for their first overtime. The camera kind of pans over to Mac, who's like kind of giggling and it pans over to Cooley, who's giggling too. I can only imagine between like, let's just say this is you and I coaching against each other, Vandy, and then you just pulled that move on me. I'm obviously looking down and be like, bro, how, how like, why, you know? Like, so I thought that was just such a cool moment uh, just to see like, obviously, like not only the friendship between the two coaches, but like, yeah, it is a chess match. It is me versus you. Of course, players wins games for sure. But like the ability to like call things on the fly, uh, the adjustment that Cooley made, I thought like obviously he deserves big time kudos for that. And I think like that was Max like professional way of like showing props. So I'm like, hey, 
you, you caught us off guard there for sure. Like you definitely deserve like a pat on the back for the, you know, uh, pulling that. Cause yeah, again, let's think about it, right. The situation that Jays are in bonus, any of his players hack at the ball, accidentally hit Trey's arm. We got an 86% free throw shooter going to the line uh, to finish the game. Right. He trusts that his players are going to be uh, obviously like um, disciplined enough to keep their hands up, not hack away at the ball. The ball comes out. It is what it is. We're heading into overtime. Like I just thought that that was a really cool moment. I wanted to know like what was your thought when you saw that uh, on the screen happening in front of you? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's a part of Coach Mac that was wanting to give a middle finger, <laughs> just just based on how good their relationship is. I've talked to him about mm-hmm. that in the past, and those two guys really respect each other, care a lot about each other's families. Uh, I, I imagine when they sit down, whether it's at media day or even uh, there's a chance Cooley may have come to the hotel in Providence. Like they, they don't even talk hoops. They talk life. And and I think right. that that's the the strong bond of, of, you know, being coaches at an elite level. Uh, yeah. I, I'm sure it, I, you just, you don't even expect it. And when it happens, you know, the reaction of Trey to get it to Baylor, like that, that's even, that's a tough decision to make. And then, mm-hmm. you know, having the, where like having, awareness of where the clock is at and where everyone's on the floor. So look, good players make good plays. I mean, Providence is, is, uh, unexpectedly really, really good. Uh, Devin Carter, I thought was incredible. Um, and then having his dad in attendance and guy just made plays and then Hopkins goes all 50 minutes. Uh, Jay, you could probably speak to that a little bit playing 50 minutes of basketball at, at this, uh, elite of a level i gotta believe he was a bit gassed at the at the end of the game we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oh, it's a good thing for sure for both Jays and Providence that they don't play again until Saturday. I'm assuming they both had a day off today. Uh, sorry, yesterday. Yes, uh, right. We're recording this on a Thursday, just in case you guys were wondering. Um, but yeah, like I know, honestly, like the both starting fives, they definitely had to have like an entire day off, even maybe even into today. Like that probably bled into today just to make sure that they're uh, game ready for Saturday because that's a lot of minutes that all those guys locked in. I'm looking at it right now. Kaluma, 47. Kalkbrenner, 45. Simon, 47. Ryan Emhart, 47. Trey Alexander, 49. You know what I mean? Like, 
th those are a whole lot of minutes. You mentioned Hopkins playing all 50. Croswell played 46. Uh, Carter, who, like you said, had an incredible game, played 45. Uh, and he was hobbled a couple of times too, like uh, going down the lane. He had that one and one where he kind of slipped on his second step and he looked kind of, I was a little scared for him. I knocked on wood for him there too, because I don't want to see any players get hurt, no matter if they're wearing our jersey or not, you know? Yeah. So when I saw him kind of like getting up and limping and I saw the replay of how he slipped, I was just like, ooh, like I've seen, you know, kind of ACLs kind of go that way. So luckily for him, he was able to get up, you know, make his free throw, kind of, you know, walk it off and be able to play the rest of the game. Um, that's always a good thing to see. But yeah, no, these guys put a, a ton of minutes. And it's not like either team has a cakewalk uh, the next game either. Like, let's talk about the Jays, obviously, since this is a cent Creighton-centric podcast. <laughs> yeah, enough Providence. Guys, let's get off. Yeah, not, yeah. Hey, shout out to you, Providence. You did what you had to do. You won that game. You snapped our seven-game winning streak. But the Jays playing in St. John's next game in New York at Karnasaka, like that is not an easy place to play at all, no matter how good or bad St. John's is this year. And they've been very competitive. Like, let's be honest, when the Jays beat them at home a couple of weeks ago, I thought that was a little bit more lopsided than it should have been. I know St. John's going to have a chip on their shoulder. Coach Anderson is always the type of guy who is going to motivate his players to play the best that they can. Uh, talk to me about like what you see happening um, at St. John's. Of course, this is Ryan Namhart going back to the place that he probably does not like at all with what happened last year at this time. So talk to me about like what the Jays have to look forward to with a, a tough St. John's team at home. Yeah, I think a couple things to highlight. One, I was quite happy to see St. John's DePaul go to double overtime. Mm -hmm. uh, I was trying to figure out what time the Johnnies got home from Chicago, but I imagine it was quite late, not only with the time yeah. change and then, you know, you get to play almost extra half of basketball. Um, the other and, thing and then to, also landing in New York and having to go through that yeah. to get home too, you know, like that, yeah. that's no joke in and of itself. Yeah. I don't know what airport they fly in and out of. If it's not JFK, they got a, a long distance of, of travel. Mm -hmm. Um you know, I, I think at home, not having Posh Alexander, when we played them at home, not having Posh, he's he's kind of the, you know, the driving force behind a lot of what they do. He doesn't score a lot, but he's just sets up their press and is just a nuisance to uh, to opposing mm -hmm. point guards. Um, AJ Store, really good freshman that they're starting to kind of give the green light to. I think I'd heard he's averaging like 16 over his last five games. And then... You know, you never know with Andre Corbello, like dude was all Big Ten uh, transfers to St. John's from Illinois. He's been playing, but um, I, I don't know if it's behavior outside of the basketball program that's keeping him from sort of coach's choice sitting out. But, uh, you know, Johnny's at full strength. There's a reason they won like 13 of their first 14 games. Um, right. You know, they play fast, they press you, they can cause a lot of frustration. We've seen at times the Jays struggle with press this year. So uh, you got to be ready to go, get punched in the mouth. And and I, I a similar game to what was Seton Hall, I think, in a lot of aspects, just you're playing in a, a more compact arena and, and uh, you're going to get a full 90 feet of of St. John's versus, you know, Seton Hall in a half court. They're, they're trying to muck it up and make us uh, make us be a physical team and protect the basketball. And I think all those things are really good for, for this team. And, and as you get into March, that's the kind of shit you got to deal with. Like mm -hmm. refs are going to swallow the whistle. So be, uh, be patient, take, uh, take the extra dribble, take the extra time to 
to see who's open, see who's not. And uh, we'll see. I, I, I do know there's a, a decent contingent of uh, Blue Jay alumni in New York City who are taking a party bus to the game. So Ooh, you, you would have the insider on that for sure. <laughs> I, I would. I would. I had to turn it down, sadly. But um, yeah, yeah, I think there was plenty of tickets available, which is, is a good sign for, for our guys. But, uh, you know, hard turnaround. You fly from Providence back to Omaha on Tuesday night and then you got to go back to New York City on, on Friday. So um, hopefully everything they're doing from a nutrition and Jeremy from a recovery standpoint uh, is, is really spot on. I did. It's funny. I talked to Jackson McAndrew, who's one of the recruits, and he was just so impressed with everything from a strength and nutrition side that uh, that makes me happy. That was one thing I thought we could have improved. Uh, I, as a manager, could eat however I wanted, but I think our team definitely needed uh, additional nutrition advice from uh, from the experts. Not calling you out, well, Jay, just saying in general, we, hey, needed, look, we needed more education. What, what I will say, obviously, um, like, and, and I think about this all the time too, obviously, I feel like I'm now, I'm at this point in my career where I'm like, like I'm the old man yelling at clouds, like, <laughs> oh, I wish I had this in my era type of thing, right? NIL, yeah. totally wish I had, like, the rules are, are a lot more lax now than they used to be. Uh, even back in the day, like I remember when we used to have our preseason, like do's and don'ts type of meeting, like don't accept a meal from strangers. You never know if that's going to come back and bite you in the butt for eligibility or whatever the case may be. Like all those rules have changed so much. that, like, obviously we're in an era now where the players are about as well a treat and they deserve it. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. There was a, like, honestly, if we kind of look back at the, archaic nature at which the NCAA was ran like we should not have been kind of treated the way that we were um but at the same time like you love to see that this current generation is you know are able to make money off their likeness they're able to actually have decent meals uh pretty much every day they're able to you know have access to more nutrition than we did as opposed yeah. to just like the the food hall and, and whatever the case may be that we had to go through so I'm, I'm very much happy about that so I just wanted to touch on that real yeah. quick the other thing I wanted to say too because you mentioned about like how uh you know you mentioned seeing hall and St. John's kind of being in the same breath as far as like toughness and uh you know that's kind of a test that the Jays have to kind of go through in order to prepare themselves for what the NCAA tournament is going to be like dude I find that like the original big east teams like that's just in their dna like that generations they always change but like a st john's team is forever gonna be tough a yeah. st hall team is forever gonna be tough villanova like don't even you know what i mean like that's just that's in their dna so obviously like us having to move from you, you see the valley flag behind me i'm always trying to <laughs> represent but like us having to move from the valley to the big east i think that that's something that like has taken us it's taking us a little bit of time to adjust to. Obviously, Coach Mack has uh, adjusted his playing style in order to be successful in the Big East because he has been in his tenure since we moved from the Valley to the Big East. But I just feel like we still don't have, like, I guess, grit. Is that, yeah. like, the right word that I'm looking for? Or mental toughness, physical toughness? What is it that, like, is preventing a team from Omaha, Nebraska from being considered as one of those big, tough, gritty schools like a lot of those schools in the east coast are yeah i don't think you can point to one thing um having lived in new york city now i i can see 
like the kids St. John's is recruiting grew up playing like outdoor sport court with grown men. And I think you just get thrown into it as like a 10 year old who wants to play basketball. It's like, this is what you have, right? Like right. gym at gym access is hard to come by. So you're playing at Riverside park with a bunch of 30, 40 year old men. It's like either be tough or get out. Um, I'll get off I, the court. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and maybe that's like, maybe that's extreme, but I, I generally think it's who are you recruiting? Um, mm-hmm. The other thing I'll add is you got to, you got, there has to be a, a balance of we recruit shooters, right? Like, and of course, yeah. In, in a lot of instances, like you, if you grow up being a shooter, you're not necessarily going to grow up playing basketball in that style. Like, you know, like the, the bully ball aspect is much different than sort of this finesse shooting. And I, I, I think to your point, we are trending more into the middle of that. Like we still have the shooting, but the bully ball, we have that capability too. Like Trey one-on-one in isolation. I've, I love watching it. It's it's just absolute poetry, whether he gets to the rim and gets fouled or he gets to that like 12 foot stop fade away. Um, so it's, Dude, it's, I, I've, it's I've finding that middle ground. Trey, I've always said that about Trey, like even last year as a freshman who was thrown into the fire, like the so here's the one thing i'll say about Trey alexander right like when i was watching him early on last year when he was a freshman it was a nebraska game on the road that the jays were able to win but i remember like he got a defensive rebound and ryan Nehart was calling for the outlet and he started dribbling off the court and in my mind i was just like just give up the ball run to a corner and be ready to spot up and shoot and then as the year went on i was just like trey get the rebound and go you know what i mean and like his game has developed in such a way and honestly, like, sometimes it's just kind of the situation that you're placed in, right? Like, yeah, he was recruited thinking that he could do one thing. He showed that he could do much more. Obviously, the coaching staff gave him the green light and the keys to be able to do much more. Like, that is certainly, like, an aspect of it. But I just kind of love seeing, like, the progression of this kid because, like, again, double overtime loss the other night. But, like, in the key moments when we needed a bucket, it was either Ryan M. Harden in the pick and roll up top or it was Trey going one-on-one downhill on this guy. He had one sweet move where he pumped this guy out of his shoes, kissed it off the glass. It hit off that the was pretty. three times and it fell in. Like, I'm just like, man, like as a 19 year old, did I have that in my game? Hell no. <laughs> you uh, know what I mean? So I just, I love his game and I love what he brings to the Jays for sure. But I do understand what you're talking about, about like trying to find that right balance of we need shooting because like in a coach max system, that's going to be a premium. Like if you yeah. can shoot the ball, he's going to find a place for you to play. But at the same time, when you kind of look at like where the Jays have been defensively in these last couple of years, obviously with Cockburner's ascension, it's kind of like, Hey, we're, we're not necessarily let it fly from three anymore. Like we used to, we could definitely do it in spurts. That's not what our calling card is anymore. But like, as far as a like, grounding opponents and like, uh, being able to stay in games that maybe offensively like suggest that we shouldn't be in, but because our defense is so on point that we're able to lock some guys down the other night, notwithstanding, obviously like Providence scored 94, 96, whatever it was. But at the same time, it's just like, you got to kind of find that right balance with the kids that you recruit. Yeah, totally. I think it's uh, somewhere in the middle or just having the right mix. I mean, it's uh, I, I like this team from that standpoint, you have guys mm-hmm. who, uh, kind of have all, all cards in the deck, and 
we're even starting to see a little bit of it with Mason, like the toughness is coming. I thought Mason at Seton Hall, his dad was in attendance sitting right behind mm -hmm. me. Uh, you could see he was proud, but he's still trying to coach him and say on that tip that you, you should have just dunked it, like be the man. <laughs> yeah. And, right. <laughs> uh, but you can, you can, you can see the loose balls. You can see the offensive rebounds. You can see the hustle plays. And I, I keep talking and harping on this, but that this is the shit that wins in March. It doesn't show right. up in box scores, but like you got to win the 50 fifties and you got to eliminate, you know, just honestly being soft, like, and that th this team is like progressing in that direction. And I, I love to love to watch it, especially live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One of the best things like for me to watch, obviously, is not only uh, like I mentioned Trailix and like the progression of the players, but it's just kind of like how uh, where we were. And this is actually a good segue because I want to talk to, about this with you. Last time that you were on this podcast was after the Texas game, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and we talked about like the games where we're like or the Jays, sorry, were at the beginning of that six game losing streak. We just won seven in a row, loss of Providence, which would have made it eight in a row. Now we kind of um, have to climb ourselves back up, so to speak. Like we have to win a very tough game against St. John's on the road. Uh, we are back in the top 25, which is where, honestly, if you asked me two or three weeks ago, if we we're ever going to be back there, I would have said like, hey, I don't know. Like we kind of dug ourselves too much of a hole for them to give us consideration, but they did. We were at 18 this past week. So I just want to hear, obviously, like from you, the last time that we talked was after that Texas game. What have you seen from the Jays as far as their progression to bring them to a seven-game winning streak, being back into the top uh, 25 consideration? And then some of the mock drafts, or not mock drafts, sorry, mock and some of the tournament things that I've seen have them as high up as five. Yeah. So what, what have you seen from the Jays that have uh, helped them with all this improvement? And then also, like, give me your idea of where do you think the Jays will rack up as far as seating-wise um, <laughs> if the season kind of turns out the way that we expect it to. Wait a <laughs> the impossible task. I, I like Load, that. Oh, it's a loaded question, but I only give you the tough question because I know you can handle it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, you know, losing streak, number of things. I, since then, it really hasn't been, like, offensively. This team is just really – been solid defensively like we don't foul so the free throw rate and sending other teams to the free throw line I think we're second in the country um, which is bananas so anytime I see the opposing team in double bonus I'm like who's refing and what are they watching <laughs> immediately uh, conspiracy theory Mike comes out <laughs> yeah I mean I, the, the first half of Seton Hall we had 11 fouls <laughs> and I was like, what? You know, we got the, the kids behind us yelling, this is Big East basketball. And I was like, yeah, you're right. What are the refs doing? That's hilarious. Um, so I, I think I think that piece, um, I think on the glass, we've been solid, um, mm -hmm. not giving up second chance opportunities. And then even 
sending guys to the glass. Um, the Providence I game, will say not, that, not that as much. UConn game, yeah, that UConn game too, like the one that we just had at home. That was a tough one, obviously. And I was talking to shout out to Josh, our producer, who's behind the scenes. We were kind of talking about it as the game was happening. But I kind of said, like, hey, it's kind of tough to box out every time because UConn did not shoot a high percentage from the field. So there's a lot of rebounds there to be had. And obviously, like, it's kind of a thing, like, when we're playing, if you start missing a whole bunch of shots and your teammates are missing a whole bunch of shots, it makes you crash a glass even harder because you're expecting all of these misses. So I think that kind of fed into the UConn team having such a big lead on the offensive glass. I think the Jays gave up like 18 offensive rebounds that game, which is an anomaly for the year. But yeah, I hear I'm trying to make this point about us being good. But you're you're right. I I guess what I'll, I'll piggyback on that, Jay, though, is not shooting a high percentage because what we're giving them is exactly into our game plan. Like I, Mm -hmm. I think uh was Andre Jackson the you know 44 who's really good basketball player you got to give up something okay let's give him unlimited space and let him loft up you know 20 footers and airball them like they're playing exactly into what we want them to do I I think that's another thing coach Mack has covered it in a lot of post-game press conferences which is defensively we did everything we wanted to they just made tough shots Right. And I think over the course of a season, you see that always revert to the mean. And over these last, you know, eight or nine games, Providence made some tough shots. That lock kid is really good. We don't need to talk about that anymore. But he think- he was incredible. Like, I mean, you brought him up. So I got to mention, like, every time I doubted what he was going to do, like, he just shut me up because yeah. he was coming off curls and down screens, shooting it with confidence a couple of times, like with a little step back shot I was just like no way bang no way bang and like you said Trags and it was all up on him never right was there. all up on him but he's making those shots so what can you do except for you know tip your cap give him one of these and and run the ball back up on the offensive end yeah but yeah I think uh just defensively like really locked in believing in the coach's game plan uh and then I guess if we're going to talk offense I would say we've had one guy that's found a way to step up in each game Baylor at Seton Hall. Trey was freaking awesome versus UConn. Um, a little more balanced at Providence, but I, I just over the course of this winning streak, like when guys need to make plays, they're they're doing it. So um yeah, just gotta you gotta kind of erase the Providence game and and get back out to New York and say, hey, let's let's keep climbing the ladder. Like we're still everything is in front of us and everything we want to accomplish and do as a team is still in front of us so we'll see so you mentioned something just now that before i let you go i definitely want to uh kind of pick at a little bit you mentioned that it's kind of it's a different guy every game which is in the grand scheme of the season like that's a great thing to have obviously because you know it helps you that the other teams can't really game plan on one specific individual especially down the stretch you never know who it's going to be that's going to be uh, given the keys to help the Jays win, obviously. Um, but I mean, when I think back about like my era, obviously, like Doug was the man. If we were ever in a stretch, like the ball was going to him one way or another. And every twice in a while, Mac would like have Doug as a decoy and it'll be Ethan who would be getting an open shot like on the backside somehow, some way. You know what I mean? So, uh, like, so I, I understand that there's like a good and a bad to both situations. But 
in these games that are coming up, obviously with the Jays trying to fight for uh, a Big East, they still have a chance to be Big East regular season champions. And obviously like Big East tournament champions is definitely in the cards as well, even though like a couple of weeks ago, they might not have been. Um, and then leading into the NCAA tournament, do you feel like it's going to be a detriment to the Jays that they don't necessarily have a quote unquote go-to guy down the stretch? Or do you feel like Coach Mack will still be able to like draw up whatever he needs to for the individual who's having a good game that day. Yeah. I don't see it as an issue because we have, I mean, Baylor can go off the bounce, but I, I would much rather it, whether it's R2 or Trey, one of those mm -hmm. two guys with the ball in hand and just get to, to horns action um, with Kalkbrenner coming out and setting the screen. I, I think we'll be fine. Um, geez. I just realized Baylor was two of 12 versus province from three yeah and um, it didn't seem that way too because like so here's the thing about Baylor that I absolutely love but at the same time it's very like it, it sometimes it masks his performance he does so many of the little things like yes. the communication the rebounding you know being in the right place in the right time like he does all those little things so even if you don't realize that he goes two of 12 sometimes and like one of the things that I've kind of had a little bit of critique about Baylor about is just be a little bit closer to the three-point line. Not every shot has to be a logo three. You know what I mean? And I think that, like, I mean, am I crazy to think that that would help his percentage, like, move up a couple notches? Definitely not. I don't think so. Like, that's just conventional basketball. But yeah. I just feel like, uh, I mean, like, Mac has had the luxury of having guys like Ethan, guys like um, Mitch, Mitch, and now guys like Baylor. Like, he, Mac, Mac really loves, like, those deep threes because – it creates so much gravity for all the other guys to be able to drive in a pin. Like I understand what the um, thought process is behind it, but like, sometimes I'm just like, so again, he launches a deep one. He misses Colbert gets the offensive rebound. He relocates to the corner where his toes are on the line and he makes it. That's such an easier shot than the first one. that He, took. he didn't yeah. need to shoot that 37 footer. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I can't even, I mean, that's like, you know, NBA bird college line i can't even get an nba three off i have to heave it so <laughs> for those out there who who are questioning this this statement uh go try and shoot an nba three-pointer and you'll realize oh bro i'm with you like you were my rebounder for the uh tbt three-point shootout like, a couple it's of hard ago. It's... it's very difficult because like you just trying to get into range like and especially like i mean the tbt three-point shootout is a totally different thing but i'm just saying like in the heat of a game like the ball is moving everything's moving so quickly i, I don't know i just feel like in my opinion this is my opinion now if i'm wrong you guys can call me out and say jay you're wrong that's fine i'll take it on the chin but like, I just feel like if Baylor is just a couple feet closer to the three-point line, it might distort our spacing that Coach Mack is looking for to get those downhill driving lanes. But it is my opinion that Trey and and uh, Ryan are good enough guys to be able to take their guys off the dribble or off ball screens, whether or not they have that extra feet and a half, two feet of space. That is just my humble opinion. But yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I would love to see his percentages go up because he is such a great shooter, and I think sometimes he kind of does himself a disservice by spreading the court out a little too much. Yeah, well, I mean, we're we're getting nippy when you win eight in a row. Like, a lot of things yeah. are going right, so. <laughs> yeah, is, we're, we, we're splitting hairs, no, yeah. for sure. I I, <laughs> I that far, for sure. <laughs> but, again, like, uh, again, this is the most biased Korean podcast you'll ever hear out there so 
would I offer my opinion about, you know, what I think guys should do or, or could do to help the team be better. Like that's, that's really all I want to see. Um, a two of 12, like we know Baylor's a better shooter than that. And he's shown it. Um, yeah. But again, I just feel like sometimes you could fall too in love with like that deep logo three and, and it doesn't necessarily have to happen that way all the time. Uh, to answer, I'll give you a, a seed range. I'm going to put us. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I, I, I still need to hear that answer from you. Let's get it. Well, let's go four to six. I'm not going to give you an exact seed. If I did, it'd be a five. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think if things play out as they can, um, four is probably our highest. And then six, seven being uh, the worst for the for the Blue Jays. So it's a seed and, and it's. March isn't really about seeding. It's about matchups. So Match, yep. well, uh, maybe you'll have me on again. We can talk uh, big East recap and, and uh, prepare Bro, for some madness. Stop. You, you literally have the keys to this podcast. Anytime you want to step into the gym with me, bro, anytime I got you, trust me. Uh, we're definitely going to have you back on again, especially when it's closer to that tournament time. Um, again, so happy to talk a little bit of Korean basketball with you. Jays are at St. John's on Saturday. We're going to have to be locked in and see if they're able to win that tough one on the road. Uh, again, a game in New York, never going to be easy. When I played St. John's in my one year in the Big East, it was at Madison Square Garden. That was my first time in that building. Dude, my eyes were just like on 10. Like I remember just looking around and seeing like all the of the Knicks retired jerseys up there. And like I couldn't believe that I had made it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like Special all, all these yeah, such a special place. Like, obviously, the Jays aren't playing at Madison Square, but I'm just saying, like, to be playing Big East basketball in New York in general, like, that's that's just such a special moment. I hope the Jays are able to live up to that moment and bounce back uh, to their first loss in quite some time, which we are all um, not happy to see. But, I mean, obviously, when you go on a seven-game winning streak, it's, it's kind of tough to get that eighth one. So, uh, shout-out to the Jays. Lost a very close game to Providence on the road. Again, no shame in losing to a top 25 team in conference play on the road in double overtime. Like, let's keep things into perspective. Big time on the Jays bandwagon right now for how well or how far they can go, not only in this Big East season, but in the Big East tournament championship. I would love to see Coach Mack hoist up a tournament championship uh, trophy that we weren't able to get for him back in 2014. Man, that still hurts my heart to this day um and we'll just kind of see how things play out but michael i'm very appreciative of you taking a little bit of time out today and, and stepping back into the J with me uh any last word for the jays fans out there who are just kind of you know looking for some positive things going into saturday's game yeah i'll i, I don't want to correct you but we did we'd won eight in a row not seven in a row so well okay i saw a graphic that the last jays team to win like i think it was 11 in a row was our 2012 team so i was just like hey, hey, hey. <laughs> when i saw uh, the other day like i i'm not gonna lie like i i had flashbacks of being on the road at bradley and at southern illinois coming back to omaha playing to you know going at drake at northern iowa coming back to omaha playing to like i miss those days the valley was crazy y'all hey Y'all act like the Valley wasn't much. I promise you, the Valley was as tough as any conference. And here's here's one way that I'll describe how tough the Valley was. My senior year, when we moved to the Big East, we went 16-0 at home. We didn't do that in the Valley. Like, we didn't go a full slate of games and no. won all of them at home. There was always an Evans, uh, Evansville, an Illinois State, a Drake, Cole, like Cole a UNI. Ryan. 
Man, there was a team that would just come into Omaha and just give us work for that one night because, you know, that was their championship game. That was their Super Bowl. So it, it it's a tough thing to do. But, like, the only time we ever went undefeated in my tenure uh, in a Jays uniform was the one and only Big East uh, season that I got to play, which take it for a grain of salt or whatever. I just think that that's kind of a fascinating stat, though. So, Vandy, a- any word for the Jays fans out there? No, um, I, I think everyone's equally as excited where we are right now. Um, I think there was some fear amongst fans there for a little bit, but uh, we got the right guys. I, we can just keep some bench production. If Mason can keep doing what he's doing and Fred can fill five, eight, 10 minutes a night, like obviously get Farabello back from his sickness. Um, I, I like the progression. I think uh, the way this team is continuing to, uh, to grow together Um I'm optimistic. Let's get done with February. I, I hate this month. So let's get into yeah. March. This is definitely the toughest month of the year, obviously, because like teams are getting better and better. I think the Jays also fall into that category of teams who have kind of lost themselves and found themselves again. February is a tough month. It's kind of a make or break month, you know, for everybody in the landscape of college basketball. So I certainly agree with you on that. On the Farabello news, I, I kind of have to do a little bit of a deeper dive into that too, because I don't quite know what's going on or where he's at as far as like being able to play again. Uh, he's certainly a body at the yeah. very least that the Jays are missing right now. I mentioned earlier in, in the podcast, the minutes that the Jays played uh, this past game. So we certainly have to find guys who are going to be not only productive, but just at the very least spell those minutes to give a breather to the guys uh, who are starting. So I certainly agree with you on that point. Um, and let's see what the Jays have for us on a Saturday night in New York. I'm certainly yeah. looking forward to it. I know you're going to be paying attention. We're definitely going to have you back on the podcast. Michael, thank you so much. This has thank been you, my Jay. guest manager, Mike, a.k.a. Michael Vandervoort. I am your host, Jahan Smanaga. Make sure to like and subscribe to the Field of 68 Media Network. Shout out to my guy, Josh Bodie, in the background. Always appreciative of everything that you do. And as always, go Jays. Go Jays. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com